Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Spark London. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them all across London. This story was told by Sean Atwood. In July 2011. Where the theme was work. When I grow up, I'm going to be a millionaire in the stock market in America. That's what I used to tell my mates when I was a teenager. I started following the stock market when I was 14. I made my first investment when I was 16. Borrowed 50 quid from my nan. Doubled it in British Telecom shares. Went on and did a business studies degree. Took that over to Phoenix, Arizona, because England was in the Depression. This was back in 1990. I had two aunts. They said, just jump on a plane. Come out here, you get a job real easy with the English accent. I got a commission-only job as a stockbroker. It sounds fancy, but it was basically glorified telesales. <laughs> my boss slaps the phone book down on my desk first day at work. You need to call 500 numbers a day to find people to buy shares. I had to be in the office for the 6 o'clock in the morning sales meeting, because Wall Street opened at 9.30 New York time. 6.30 Arizona time, cold calling all day long. First couple of years, I wasn't making any money. I was basically living off cheese on toast and bananas, wondering if I'd ever make it. Five years in, I'm the top guy in the office, grossing over 500000 a year. I've got enough money to retire from stockbroking. I'm only in my 20s. I took it, put it into technology shares. When they all shut up during the dot-com bubble, that's when I became a millionaire. But I was also throwing rave parties... Now this goes back to when I was at uni. The acid house scene had just started in Manchester. It's news headlines every weekend. So I started raving and it made this big impression on me. But I started throwing these raves all over Arizona, Phoenix, Tucson. But I also had people bring in an ecstasy, thousands and thousands of pills. So I ended up becoming one of the biggest ecstasy dealers in Arizona. But <laughs> <clears throat> May 16, 2002, SWAT team smashed my door down. Get on the ground now, hands above your heads. Nobody move. End up in the jail. It's got the highest rate of death in America. Not only were the gang members murdering the prisoners, even the guards. These are the actual outfits we had to wear, flown over from America. Even the guards were murdering the prisoners. Now, my next occupation, I never set out to be a writer, but a guard said to me, the world has no idea what's really going on in here. So with a little pencil sharpened on the cell door... I started writing everything down. My aunt smuggled it out on the weekends. <clears throat> stuff I was writing about was like the gang stuff. As soon as you go in, 
If you're white, it was all divided racially by the prisoners, whites, blacks, Mexicans, Mexican-Americans. If you're white, the Aryan Brotherhood prison gang comes up to you right away and basically says, asks you what your charges are. Some charges are KOS by the gang, which means kill on sight, such as paedophile stuff. Other charges are SOS, which means smash on sight. And they tell you, once you got past this interrogation, they tell you you must go to the white boy meeting or we will smash you for failing to represent your race. You go to the meeting and you meet what's called the head of the race. He explains to me all the rules I must follow or else the whole gang will smash me. If someone calls me a punk or hits me, I must fight them on the spot or else the whole gang will smash me. Must take showers or else they'll smash you having bad hygiene. Can't go sitting at the tables in the day with the other races or else they'll smash me for that. Can't go making friends with the guards or else they'll smash me for snitching. Everything you take for granted about your safety in society is reversed in here. They're constantly looking for people to beat up because that's how they earn their tattoos. Under every head of the race, the guys call torpedoes. They will go in and smash someone for the head of the race, no questions asked. And the more serious the act of violence they commit, the higher up in the gang hierarchy are the tattoos that they earn. To be a full member of the Aryan Brotherhood, you have to murder someone in the jail to earn your warbird tattoo. That's how you become a full member. Also wrote about the food. We got two meals a day. Breakfast came in plastic bags. It was mouldy bread and green bologna. Green bologna is a raw sausage meat that's gone past its sell-by date. It's got a green shine to it. A lot of the food coming into the jail was in boxes that businesses were throwing away because it expired. The mould on the bread, blue mould, green mould. Sometimes our mould came in these fantastic colours that look like works of art. We were so hungry we'd just scratch it off and because the bread was stale we'd put it in water and swill it to get it down. Now... Cockroaches was one of the main things I wrote about. My writing was actually discovered by the Guardian newspaper, and they wrote, they published what I was writing about living in a cell full of cockroaches. A year in, I was moved to maximum security. Eight o'clock at night, we were locked in our cells. Ten o'clock is what's called lights out. It's like the cockroaches knew just when the lights were about to go out, they would line up in the cracks in the walls. You see them, their antennae sticking out, doing this little movement. As soon as the lights went out, they would just flood the room. And you got a choice, you could put a sheet around you so you look like the mummy. It does keep them off you, but it traps the heat to your body. It gets up to almost 50 degrees out there. You've got these bleeding and itching skin infections and bed sores. So it aggravates that condition. You end up just throwing the sheet off you and letting them crawl on you. Now they don't bite, they start out and tickling your feet, your limbs. They try to get in your ears to eat your earwax. It's like honey to them. I had a neighbour who was asthmatic in maximum. He wakes up one morning. He's out of breath. Grabs his inhaler. Takes a blast. It's cockroach in it. He says he can feel it moving around inside him. And he throws up his stomach contents. And he can't get it out. It's stuck in there. Now, I was attacked a few times. But I never lost any bones. got any bones broken. I lost any teeth. One of the most graphic things I put on the internet in my writing was a conversation I had with a guy who was gang-raped. He was actually a six-and-a-half-foot charismatic transsexual called Zena. Zena woke up one morning, grabbed the razor blade, drank a cup of coffee, and started to cut his man parts off. He got the right side off, the left side hides, and he's got his hand up in his guts, looking for it, and he's bleeding to death, and he passes out in a pool of blood. They bring a helicopter into prison just in time to save his life. Well, I asked him, when he first came in, he was a young person. He clicked up with the gang, and it's blood in, blood out, and he crossed him, and he got gang raped. And the conversation I had with him went like this. I said, have you been raped in prison? Yes. It's pretty messed up. It's very degrading. I said, what happened? The first time was a gang rape. They beat me up, 
beat me until I was unconscious, stuffed things inside my body and raped me while I was unconscious. I said, what did they stick inside your body? A broomstick. I said, how do you know if you were unconscious that they raped you? He said, he said, I could tell by when I went on the toilet afterwards by what came out. I said, did you think about th killing the people who did this to you? I said, I thought about killing myself first. I wanted to. I still do sometimes. And he started crying at this point. And I said, well, how did you stop it? I said, he took the abuse for as long as he could. And then he started fighting back. I won most of the fights. When I stood up and told them I didn't care about getting killed, it stopped. You've got to be ruthless. It was months later when I actually learned how Zena really stopped the gang raping business. He was studying anatomy at the time. The next two times, the gang members came to rape Zena. The first member of the gang to put his hand on Zena. Zena scooped his eyeball out. Eyeball dangling out like it's on a string. And Zena saying, I don't care if I live or die. That's what it took. One of the other guys I was writing about was um, a Mexican mafia hitman called Frankie. Looked like Joe Pesky and Goodfellas. He came to my cell door window just as I'm, my pants and boxers are down and I'm applying antifungal ointment to the bleeding bed sores on my buttocks. So he looks through the window at this site and he walks away very quickly. A couple of hours later, I got a love letter shoved under my door from him, commenting on my hurry arse and proposing, uh, proposing we have a gay prison marriage. I think the letter went something like, I'm looking forward to shampooing your hurry arse on our honeymoon in San Francisco. But, but fortunately, that was just his sense of humour. He's done 18 years and he was a chess heavyweight and has started to put a lot of his stories onto the internet. Another one of the guys in there was T-Bomb, six and a half foot African-American, former Marine, trained to kill, seen action in South America. They called him John Coffey after the movie The Green Mile. He came to my cell door, completely blocking the sunlight out, just got his pants on, covered in scars. I said to him, have you been in a fight? Every single scar was a different life and death fight story. But not only was he standing up for himself, he was stopping the raping of the young people who were coming into the prison system. It wasn't like they were just going and knocking these guys out. He was getting stabbed, hitting the head with padlocks in socks, river rocks in socks. So in that sense, in this place where no one looked out for anyone, this, this guy had a really good heart. So I started putting all these stories on the internet. The Guardian ran excerpts, cockroach stuff. And it led to a literary agent contacting me, and it's now been turned into a book, and it's been published by a division of Random House. When I got deported um, from America, I'm banned for life by the Department of Homeland Security now. I take full responsibility because I broke all these drugs laws. I was on BBC, um, Reddy Murr, and a Harley Street drug counsellor heard me talking about the cockroach stories. And he contacted them, and he said he, wanted, he has a business whereby he sends people into schools to tell them their stories, to put them off drugs and crime. So my main job now, as well as being a writer, is I go and speak to year groups um, all over the UK and Europe and tell them all these stories about the jail stuff and link in how choosing to do drugs leads to that. And that's what I do full-time now. So anyway, that's my story. Thank you for listening. Thank you. For more stories, head to sparklondon.com. Spark London is produced by Joanna Yates with audio production by Matt Till at rethinkdaily.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.